Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Um, inshallah, today we will start from uh, uh, the events after Sulaih Hudaybiya, uh, Treaty of Hudaybiya, uh, that uh, occurred at the end of the sixth year of the Hijrah. And uh, after Rasulullah وسلم, uh, came back to Medina, uh, there were a couple of uh, uh, things happened when after he came back to Medina, and uh, right after that, uh, Rasulullah headed towards the Khaybar of the, uh, the, the tribe of the Khaybar of the Jews uh, because they were the one of the main uh, uh, main people who were inciting the war against Rasulullah, helping all the tribes around uh, Medina uh, from the Mushrikeen, uh, the Mushrikeen and, uh, and, the, and the Jews, and as well as they were. Uh, getting the uh, helping help, helping the Quraysh as well to uh, to fight against Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But uh, uh, besides that, uh, uh, the, the, what happened was after Rasulullah came to Medina, and uh, the, there were some of the women who came uh, came to Medina, and they wanted to seek refuge uh, with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now uh, the question came up was it was more of a uh, the treaty was about the men, not about the women. If you remember the clause that was talking about if the men uh, who become Muslim and come to Rasulullah from, from the Quraysh or the allies of the Quraysh, Rasulullah will return him, return them. But if uh, any of the Muslims from Medina, if they leave uh, Islam and go back to Mecca, they don't have to return back to Rasulullah. But when the question of the women came up, uh, the women were kept in kept in Medina after making sure that uh, uh, they are not involved in any of like uh, stealing or committing zina or, or, or killing uh, their children uh, or, or uh, doing bohtan. Bohtan is like a, when you are putting, uh, are you accusing people uh, of something that they have not done. Uh, so the, uh, after making sure that they are uh, pious women, they, they were kept in Medina. Now, that was the issue of the Muslim women who came from uh, Mecca to Medina after the, uh, after the, the, after the Treaty of the Hudaybiyah. Now, besides, uh, besides the women, the other issue happened was there were some of the men also who came to Rasulullah, and especially when uh, Abu Basir, radiallahu an, when he came from, uh, from Mecca to Medina, when he reached Medina, the Quraysh, they sent, uh, actually the, he he escaped from the Quraysh, and uh, Quraysh sent two, uh, two men uh, demanding his return from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So when they came to Rasulullah uh, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, uh, because of the treaty of the Hudaybiyah, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam returned uh, Abu Basir radiyallahu an with uh, those two men. And now when they were taking Abu Basir back to uh, Mecca, on the way, uh, Abu Basir uh, he. Uh, he started talking to one of the two men and started praising uh, his sword, that how nice the sword is, if he would allow him to uh, take a look at the sword. And he did allow him. And Abu Basir, uh, when he got a chance, he used the very same sword and killed 
uh, one of the two guys who came to uh, take back Abu Basir uh, to Mecca. Now the other one, he escaped from uh, uh, escaped from Abu Basir, and he ran back to Rasulullah sallallahu in Medina and went to the Masjid Nabawi. And uh, when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh, met him, uh, and the, uh, the guy told him that uh, this is your obligation to return it back. But uh, this, is, uh, this is what happened. Now Rasulullah Abu Basir followed him, he came there. And Abu Basir told Rasulullah you fulfilled your duty of returning me back to Makkah uh, and uh, I just ran away. This is what Abu Basir's stance was. And Rasulullah said, woe is his mother. He would have killed, a, uh, he would have kindled a war if there had been others with him. And when Abu Basir heard this, he realized that Rasulullah will hand him back. So now, Instead of going back with uh, the kuffar, uh, the kuffar Abu Basir, he actually ran away from Medina and uh, he he went far from Medina actually. And there's a place called Sayful Bahar, and he stayed there. That's a place between Mecca and Medina. Now, after that, what happened was any of the Muslims who were oppressed by the uh, by the Meccans, the the one who became Muslim and they wanted to go back to Medina, but they knew. Because of the treaty, Rasulullah would not allow uh, them to be there. So those men, they started going back, to, going towards Abu Basir now. So uh, and Abu Jandal, radiallahu an, uh, as we uh, can remember, that he was the one who, was, who came chained uh, towards Rasulullah while the treaty of Hudaybiyah was written, the son of uh, uh, Amr bin Suhail, the one who was uh, Suhail bin Amr the one who was actually writing the treaty. Now, uh, Rasulullah uh, sent Abu Jandal back. And now Abu Jandal again freed himself. And this time, he went to Abu Basir. Now, slowly and gradually, the numbers started increasing. And those people in the, uh, headed by Abu Basir, they were in the middle of the Mecca and Medina. And any caravan that was passing by, uh, by their area, which was in general heading towards Sham, they started looting those caravans. Now that became a huge problem for uh, the uh, for the Meccans. That they're uh, obviously they were not under the leadership of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Meaning they were not under the Rasulullah's authority. They were not under the Islamic state that Rasulullah was ruling with. Rather, they were of their own uh, by by an area. And now that area was on, in the route of the caravans passing from Mecca. Uh, from Mecca to, towards the Damascus, towards the Damascus or the Sham, and they were looting those uh, uh, those caravans. So now they went to Rasulullah and the Meccans, and they started begging Rasulullah now to take them, uh, take these people back to Medina. It was better for them that they will be back to Medina rather than in their way of, uh, uh, of the caravans that were passing by and they were having financial difficulties because of uh, the, those Muslims. So like Allah Azza wa Jal said, they plan and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plans uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best planner. So the, the plotting this kuffar were doing by coming up with this uh, specific clause in the treaty that started backfiring them. Uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already mentioned about the Sulah Hudaybiyah as, uh, uh, as a clear victory for the Muslims. Uh, and uh, as we will see now when we look, uh, we talk about the other events that happened after Sulah Hudaybiyah, that it was, a, uh, it was a real victory that happened to the Muslims, the, the treaty that at one point, uh, some of the Sahaba, including Umar al-Khattar, they were thinking of 
that uh, that that is uh, a weak uh, a weak stance from the Muslim sides that they were signing a treaty in which they were not able to do the Umrah as well as they were signing a a, a treaty where the kuffar. Uh, were able to take the Muslims, uh, or people became Muslim from Mecca to, uh, then they, they go to Medina, they were able to bring him back to Mecca while other way around was not allowed. If a Muslim uh, goes back to Mecca, then the, uh, the, the, then Meccans would not return them back to Rasulullah wasallam. So even though that felt like a weaker stance, but in reality, it was a, uh, it, it was a treaty that was in the favor of the Muslims uh, and the fruits were started showing after Abu Basir also when he, uh, uh, when he tried to run away from Mecca and came to Medina and then he ended up in the middle of Mecca and Medina. So uh, as we talked about that, that, that uh, itself was something beneficial for, the, beneficial for the Muslims. And after that, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the, in the beginning of uh, the seventh year of the Hijrah, so some of the reports talk about the uh, beginning of the seventh year of the Hijrah. Some of them say like 15 days after Rasulullah came from Mecca, from Mecca after Sulah Hudaybiyah, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, Rasulullah right away started preparing uh, the, the military invasion of, uh, of Khaybar. Now, Khaybar, uh, why Khaybar? Because Khaybar, before Rasulullah went, uh, uh, went for Umrah, uh, which uh, ended up in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, uh, they were always involved in all sorts of cunning things that they were doing uh, against Muslims and against Rasulullah They were the ones uh, who were making like a tri-coalition. Tri- against Rasulullah that included the, the, the mushrikeen and the munafiqeen in the surrounding area uh, uh, so, uh, of, the, of the Medina. So, so the munafiqeen, the mushrikeen, and, uh, and the Jews, uh, different tribes, Banu Quraida, Banu Qanuqa, Banu Nadir, and the, the ones who were uh, uh, other smaller tribes of the Jews, they were under Khaybar actually. And they were also uh, uh, doing the alliances with, with Quraysh. And uh, the result was Ghazwatul Ahzab, that happened before Sulay Hudaybiyah, uh, in which about 10,000 uh, fighters came to take over Medina. Uh, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the victory to the Muslims. Similarly, uh, after even Ghazwatul Ahzab, they were still trying to uh, kindle war against Rasulullah by, by bringing uh, Ghatafan, the tribe of Ghatafan, which were the Mushrikeen, and also uh, the Quraysh again against Rasulullah. So before they would have been able to be successful in this uh, action. This time Rasulullah went for Umrah and he made the treaty with Quraysh. So the Quraysh were one of the biggest uh, enemies and Rasulullah was able to uh, uh, basically block that side of the, of the war that could have happened against Rasulullah Now, after that part of the uh, enemy was uh, uh, under the treaty, Meaning there was the threat was, if not completely uh, ended, but it was minimized temporarily at least. And Rasulullah had some time to take care of the affairs with, uh, around Medina now. And uh, Khaybar was the key, uh, were the key people in the Khaybar who were uh, doing all this against the Muslims. Now, when... Uh, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu uh, he wanted to go towards the Khaybar. So he, uh, he prepared the army. And uh, in that army, 
Rasulullah only allowed the people who went to Hudaybiyah with him. Now in this time, it was not allowed for the ones who did not go with Rasulullah to Hudaybiyah. So those only, whatever the number was, as we discussed last week, uh, many of them talk about 1400, some say 1600, 1700. So uh, we'll, we'll go along with the number that was uh, mostly reported, which is about 1400 Muslims who went with Rasulullah the very same ones, they were chosen to go to Khaybar as well. Uh, as Allah Azza wa Jal says, سَيَقُولُ الْمُخَلَّفُونَ إِذَا أَنْتَلَقْتُمْ إِلَى مَغَانِمَ لِتَأْخُذُهَا ذَرُونَ نَتَّبْعِكُمْ يُرِيدُونَ أَنْ يُبَدِّلُوا كَلَامَ اللَّهِ قُلْ لَنْ تَتَّبِعُونَ كَذَلِكُمْ قَالَ اللَّهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ فَسَيَقُولُونَ بَلْ تَحْسُدُونَنَا بَلْ كَانُوا يَفْقَهُونَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا Those who lag behind will say when you set forth to take the spoils, allow us to follow you. They want to change Allah's word, say you shall not follow us. Thus Allah has said beforehand then they will say, nay, you, uh, you envy us. Nay, but they understand, not accept a little. So Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, uh, because uh, already have mentioned about the, uh, about the Sulayh Hudaybiyah, that there was a victory. Now it was the time actually to collect the spoil of that victory. Because uh, Khaybar was considered, according to the Mufassirin, as the victory that was mentioned, that victory was referred in that uh, 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 Khaybar was mentioned in that victory as Allah Azza wa says فَعَلَكُمُ اللَّهُ مَغَانِمَا كَثِيرَةً تَأْخُذُونَهَا فَعَجَّلَ لَكُمْ هَذِي Allah has promised you abundant spoils that you will capture and he has hastened for you this meaning this victory was going to happen very uh, uh, right away very, very fast and uh, as, as I mentioned Rasulullah left like 15 days after the Sulayh after he returned back to uh, Medina uh, and uh, other reports talk about in Muharram, which is not far, much of a difference between the time, from the time perspective. So uh, the, the hadith, the, the ayah, the, uh, the understanding of the ayah is over here, the maghanim uh, or the spoils of water as we refer to is about, uh, uh, is about the Khaybar because this is the, the time when Muslims really got the maghanim kathira meaning the abundant spoils that they were able to get. And Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned in the other place, the, the, so Fatha, where referred to that, that only people who will go with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam basically are the ones who were with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is how Rasulullah took only the people who gave the ba'ah to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in uh, uh, the treaty of, uh, before the treaty of Hudaybiyah uh, under the tree. <clears throat> now, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as usual, uh, whenever he used to leave uh, Medina, he used to leave a ruler behind him. So this time when he was heading towards, uh, uh, towards the Khaybar, and Khaybar was uh, occupied by the Jews. Uh, and there were different tribes of the Jews they gathered later on. Banu Nadir, uh, the, the, the Jews of the Banu Nadir, when they were kicked out, they were also took the safe haven, some of them over there in uh, in Khaybar, as well as Banu Qaynuqa. Uh, now, Rasulullah when he was heading towards the Khaybar, he made uh, uh, Sibah bin uh, Urfata uh, al-Ghifari as the ruler behind him. Uh, and some of the reports, uh, Ibn Ishaq mentioned it was Numayla bin Abdullah, but, uh, uh, but Fatah al-Bari mentions that it was uh, more accurate, it was Sibah, Sibah bin Urfata. 
who was left as the ruler behind Rasulullah Now when Sibab bin Arfata, he was left behind as a ruler and in general, uh, the, the practice was that uh, whoever is the ruler, he used to lead the, the salah. So uh, Sibab bin Arfata was leading Salatul Fajr. And while he was leading Salatul Fajr, Abu Huraira, uh, who was not a Muslim at that time, so while the Khaybar was uh, happening, he came and he accepted Islam. Abu Huraira, radiallahu an, he, is, uh, uh, he is one of the big Sahabas, uh, famous for uh, reporting the, the ahadith. He, he is the one who has reported the most number of ahadith among the Sahaba. Over 5,000 ahadith were reported by uh, Abu Hurairah. And that was a very short period of time, like two years and three months or so period of time he spent with Rasulullah. But he was from the Ahlul Sufa, the one who were the poor people who were living outside uh, 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 the, the courtyard of uh, Masjid al-Nabawi. So uh, he, they, he spent a lot of time with Rasulullah and he went to uh, the battlefield with, uh, with Rasulullah as well. So he was able to do uh, report them in the hadith because he spent a lot of time with Rasulullah and he, was, he, he had very sharp memory as well. So uh, Abu Huraira, he came to, uh, the, to the folds of Islam and uh, right away he went to Khaybar. Uh, that's a different story that by the time he made it to the Khaybar, the, the Battle of Khaybar was already over, but Rasulullah gave him the share of uh, the spoil of the war of the Khaybar. Now, uh, while Rasulullah was heading towards Khaybar, Abdullah bin Ubay, the, uh, the head of the Munafiqeen, he sent uh, some of the people towards the Jews of the, uh, of the Khaybar to warn them against the, the danger approaching them meaning Rasulullah wasallam's armies were armies was approaching them. And, uh, but uh, Abdullah bin Ubayi, uh, what his purpose was to send to, to, to talk to the Jews, to send the envoy to the Jews was, so first of all, to give them confidence that they are stronger than Rasulullah They are more equipped as far as the battlefield goes. Also, he... Uh, uh, he asked them basically to look for more uh, help from Banu, uh, Banu Ghatafan, the, the tribe of the Ghatafan. And, uh, uh, and that, that, that was his idea. So he was provoking the Jews and the Mushrikeen to fight, along, uh, fight, fight against Rasulullah Now when Rasulullah was uh, marching towards the Khaybar, so uh, on the way to uh, Isr mountain, Jabal Isr, uh, he went there and uh, he halted there at a place called al Raji'ah. And this is, this is not al Raji'ah where uh, some of the Muslims fought before. There's a different area called al Raji'ah. And uh, so this is a camp between Khaybar and Ghatafan. So idea of Rasulullah camping like that was, so now Ghatafan would not be able to go and uh, meet the Khaybar. Uh, because uh, if, they, if they come uh, separately, then Rasulullah and his uh, army will take care of them. But Ghatafan, when they, uh, they, got, they, they were informed of coming and helping Khaybar, but when they heard of some noise, uh, they, they thought of it as if their families and the children, what they have left behind, they will be attacked, so they went back. So they were not able to go and help uh, the Jews of the, of, the, of the Khaybar. So they abstained from fighting, uh, uh, fighting the Muslims at that time. Now, Rasulullah um, 
and, uh, and the Sahaba now, they were heading towards uh, the Khaybar. And uh, while they were heading towards the Khaybar, there is a report uh, that talks about uh, Salama bin Al-Aqwa, uh, reported by him. And he's reporting about his uncle, actually. His name was Amr bin Al-Aqwa. Uh, Amr bin Al-Aqwa, he, he was actually told, he was asked to, why don't you tell us some of the verses? Uh, and this was like a normal thing when you are traveling like that. So uh, you are reading some sort of a nasheed or something, or especially when you go in a fight, they had their own slogans for the fights as well. So he started reading, Allahumma lawla, lawla anta mahtadayna, wala tasaddaqna, wala sallayna. Oh Allah, if you had not guided us, we would not have neither been guided, right, uh, guided rightly, nor practiced the sadaqah charity, nor offered the salah. Fulfill we wish to lay down our lives for you. So you forgive our mistakes and keep us steadfast when we encounter our enemies. And bestow upon us peace and tranquility. Behold, when with a cry they call upon us to help. Now, uh, the reason I'm mentioning this, especially this, uh, these verses from him is because when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he heard, of, uh, heard, heard these uh, verses being uh, recited from, from his poetry, Rasulullah sallam asked, who is this deliverer? Uh, who is this guy? So they said, it is Amr. So he said, yarhamahullahu, meaning uh, Allah will show mercy to him. Now, Sahaba were aware of this. Whenever Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, about anyone, it means that person will be martyred. He will be a shaheed. And uh, uh, those, those sahaba, they hoped that they would have, uh, Amr would have stayed longer along with them, but they knew that if Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa have said that Allah will show mercy to him, it means that this person will become a shaheed. Now, uh, now, after that, Rasulullah Sallallahu and the Sahaba, they, uh, they, they stopped at a, at a spot called As-Sahba, uh, which was not far from the Khaybar. And Rasulullah Sallallahu and the Sahaba, they placed out of Asr there, and then they uh, ate together. The food was not enough, but uh, because of Rasulullah Sallallahu the Mu'jiza from him, by, by the will of Allah Azza wa they were able to uh, fill their, their, their stomachs with a very small amount of food that they had. And then uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu uh, after they, they ate, they, uh, they, rinsed their, uh, uh, they rinsed their mouth. Instead of doing the wudu again, they just only rinsed their mouth, meaning they were in the state of the wudu, only rinsed their mouth, and they, they, they prayed the, the, the later night prayers. And the, the reason I'm just mentioning is uh, that that's one of the ways of looking at the hukum, that if you eat or drink something uh, uh, while you're in the state of wudu, it is mustahab, it is a recommended action to rinse your mouth. And this is what Rasulullah said. It is not an obligation, but it is a good action to, to do when you, are, uh, when you are praying. Now, Rasulullah when he got to Khaybar, he, he did not, he normally that was his uh, way, that he would not attack during the night time. He would, uh, he would wait until the daytime and then he would uh, start the, uh, the fight. Now, when uh, uh, the morning uh, came and, and the people from the Khaybar uh, fort, uh, fortresses 
So they were they used to live in fortresses. I'll talk about the, the different kinds of uh, different number of fortresses they have, the big ones and the, and the smaller ones. But uh, they used to live in there. And when they came out in the morning, uh, by surprise, they saw Rasulullah. The reason I'm saying they got surprised here is Rasulullah instead of going from the south, meaning from the Medina, because they were in the north. Uh, Khaybar was in the north of Medina, which is about 80 or uh, different uh, uh, reporters talk about different numbers uh, of miles it is from, so about approximately 80 miles from Medina. But it was between Sham and Medina. So Sham was in the north of Medina, but uh, Khaybar was in the south of Sham. Uh, but north of Medina. So instead of Rasulullah uh, would go uh, and meet the people of Khaybar from, uh, f- from, the, from the south, rather he went uh, actually and uh, he, he came from the side of the, uh, from the north of, uh, of the Khaybar. So that's why they were surprised. And the moment they saw Rasulullah and his army, and they, uh, they, they started mm-hmm. saying that Muhammad has, uh, has come along with his force. And Rasulullah said, Allahu Akbar, Khaybar uh, shall face destruction. Behold, when we descend in the city center, it will be a bad day for those who have been warned, but have not uh, taken any heed. Khaybar uh, was, was asked for uh, enter into Islam or do the treaties, but they, they never entered into, into the treaties at that time. This is why it, it says, like Rasulullah said like this, that they were warned, but they did not take any heed. Rather, they were actually plotting against Rasulullah actually they also plotted to kill Rasulullah as well um, now when Rasulullah stationed the army there uh, similar to uh, the incident of Ghazwatul Badr Al-Habbab bin Mundir he came to Rasulullah and he asked him in the similar manner as he asked in the Badr that uh, is that the spot that you have chosen uh, is because Allah has ordered you or this is because of your, uh, of your own choice as a, as, a, as a human being. And Rasulullah said this is just his own choice. This is not a command from Allah. Upon hearing that, Habab al-Mandir suggested that uh, it would be better to move away from that spot because the spot Rasulullah's army was at they were visible to the Khaybar uh, uh, from, from the fortresses, but they were not able to see their know about, and they could have just started throwing the arrows towards the Muslims, and that could have been a disaster for them. So upon hearing this, uh, he suggested a different place where Muslims had uh, a better visibility towards the, the Khaybar, and they moved down there. Now, Rasulullah uh, uh, said to the Sahaba, that uh, the, the banner of, uh, of the war will be given to someone uh, who, who loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. And the Sahaba were very anxious the next day they were given. They were very anxious that, uh, that everybody was hoping it would be him uh, who, whom the, the banner would be given because that's a sign automatically that you love Allah and his messenger. Uh, just want to take a pause here. Whenever we talk about Loving Allah and His Messenger, it means that, as Imam Baydawi explains, the love of Allah and His Messenger means that you follow the commands of Allah and His Messenger. That's what it means by loving Allah and His Messenger. It's not just a lip service that I love Allah and His Messenger and do not obey His commands. 
Rather, it means that obedience to his commands means obe- uh, loving Allah and his messenger. Okay, so that's what I meant by uh, Rasulullah said, the one who loves Allah and his messenger, who, he will be given the banner. So next day, Rasulullah asked for Ali radiallahu an, and he was told that uh, Ali had some, uh, uh, something wrong with his eye. He had like a pink eye kind of thing. So Rasulullah and his eyes I, I was, hurt, was hurting. So Rasulullah asked Ali to uh, come up to him and he put uh, a little bit of a saliva on his eyes and that uh, uh, by, the, by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his eyes were cured right away and the pain was, he was relieved from the pain. Uh, so when Rasulullah gave the banner to Ali radiallahu anh, he, t- he told them and that was the case with the uh, any of the battles Rasulullah himself went or he called, he sent the Sahaba to, that uh, the way you do it is first you invite them towards Islam. If, uh, if they accept Islam, then they are your brothers. If they don't accept Islam, then they can make the treaty with the Muslims and they can live under the uh, Islam and they can pay the jizya, which is a tax that the non-Muslims uh, uh, in Islamic State, they pay. Uh, and we have talked about that in the past, um, just briefly, so in case somebody new is here. Um, uh, that, that, that tax is get taken from the non-Muslims, uh, and they are protected by because of that tax that they are giving, and they are free to practice their deen in, uh, in, in, in Islamic State. And, uh, and, and after that, uh, they are not the one who, because they are non-Muslim, they don't pay the zakah, for example. Because zakah is uh, an obligation on the Muslims as part of ibadah. And in general, zakah ends up way more than uh, the amount of money uh, normally you give in, uh, in jizya. Uh, uh, as uh, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the reports that Umar al-Qattar talks about that uh, it's up to, the, uh, up to the leader of the Muslims. He decides how much jizya to take. Uh, the jizya was like a... Uh, in different places, depending on the uh, affluent, how affluent the region was, it was one dinar or two dinar or four dinar for the whole year per, per, per head. And it's not for the one who is not capable. This is for the one who can. The one who cannot actually state supports him also. So this is how it was. Uh, and there were incidents where Muslim armies were not able to stay in the region because the army had to move out of the region when they, where they were at. So when they were leaving, they actually gave back the, the, the jizya or the tax money because they were not able to protect them anymore. So they, they, they gave the money back. But just, just a, a conceptual thing, just want to put it on the side so we would know how the state works because unfortunately many times these kind of concepts are misused and intentionally. Okay. Now, when it comes to the Khaybar, when Rasulullah army was stationed, so we, have, we should know how the, the Khaybar, Khaybar uh, setup was. Uh, Khaybar had actually, can, the, 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 it was made up of uh, a lot of Hassan. Hassan is a fortress. Uh, there were multiple fortresses. The big ones were, eight of them were the biggest ones. Uh, there were small, tiny ones also as well, but they, they did not matter. So the real ones were uh, eight, and those eight were... Uh, divided into uh, into two parts. The first part had five uh, uh, five fortresses, and uh, the names of the five were Naim. Uh, one was Hassan Naim, Hassan Saab bin Maat, Hassan Qilat al Zubair, 
Hassan uh, Abi and Hassan Nizar. So these were the five. And among these five, the first three uh, used to be called uh, uh, Al Nata, and the other two were called Al Shaq. And the other three big ones, uh, uh, fortresses, were called, which is the which is part of which were part of the second part of the fortresses was Al Qamus, Hassan uh, Al Qamus, Hassan Al Watih, and Hassan Al Salalim. So altogether, there were eight major fortresses. So Rasulullah began the campaign by uh, from the from the minor stronghold uh, and one after another. So the, he started off with uh, uh, the first fortress was Hasan uh, al-Na'im. So uh, and uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he he gave, uh, Ali was the one who had the who had the banner and uh, uh, the, the, the the one of the leaders of that fortress was Marhab. That Jewish uh, person, he was famous as a fighter. That he is, he was equivalent to a thousand soldiers, thousand men, uh, and he was the leader of the four. Uh, and he invited to fight an Amr bin Al Aqwa. Amr bin Al Aqwa, he is the one. Remember the one who was saying the poetry, and Rasulullah said in response to him that Ya uh, Rabbi meaning Allah be merciful on him and Muslims understood that he will be the one who will be uh, he will be shaheed uh, so while he was fighting uh, and the marhab attacked him and his own sword struck him actually struck Amir and uh, he became uh, the, the injury that he received he died of the very same injury even though the injury was on his knee but he died of the same wound and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam raised his two fingers pointing towards that the double of the reward in the hereafter for him and so sahaba were questioning that he was stuck by his own uh, uh, by, by his own sword whether he's a shaheed or not and rasulullah confirmed the shahada of amir uh, after amir was uh, was marked with ali bin abi talib he uh, moved forward and he uh, in combat and he killed him and then, uh, yeah, uh, then Yasser, uh, Marhab's brother, he came up, and Zubair bin Awam, he uh, he came to fight and he killed him. After that, uh, the, the the real fight started. I mean, these are the duels that used to happen, with the big shots will come forward and they fight, and then uh, uh, the rest of the army starts fighting. And uh, during this uh, the, the, this fighting, uh, the Jews showed, showed courage and proved to be. Uh, too formidable even the, the repeated uh, rushes to the veteran soldiers of Islam but they realized that uh, they, they will not be able to resist and then uh, they actually uh, uh, from this fortress of uh, Al-Na'im they uh, infiltrated into uh, As'ab bin, bin, uh, the other uh, fortress uh, which is called As'ab bin Ma'ad uh, so they moved down there and uh, once they moved down there so Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actually made a Hubab and Mandir to attack Asab uh, fortress. And now they laid the siege over there for about three days. But after three days, the Muslims, uh, they stormed in, uh, into the fortresses and they got the spoils of the war. Um, uh, but this victory came in the wake of Rasulullah's invocation to Allah to help Banu Aslam. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a tough time when this whole thing happened. And extremely, uh, uh, I mean, the, the hunger was the issue over there. And the, the Muslims, they 
ended up uh, slaughtering the domestic donkeys. And those domestic donkeys were cooked and they were in the pots while the rule regarding the, uh, the donkey's meat, uh, the most domestic donkey's meat is haram, were revealed. And when the, when the hukum came, even though Muslims were going through dire uh, situation, uh, they flipped, uh, uh, flipped the pots and they emptied them and, and they washed the pots and they did not eat that meat because the hukum of Allah came about the hurma of, uh, of, the, of the domestic donkey's meat. Um, the lesson to learn here for us is uh, when we uh, learn about what Allah Azza wa Jal wants from us, whatever that hukum is, once we learn it, there should not be ifs and buts. Yes, we have to learn about it, make sure that this is really what Allah Azza wa Jal wants from us. Once this is concluded, then our response should always be Samana wa ta'ana. And this is in general what we see in the lives of the Sahaba that how quickly, whenever the rule of Allah Azza wa Jal was revealed, they uh, they obey, uh, and similar incidents can be seen about when the rule uh, the, when the rules regarding the khamar, for example, drinking reveal. Um, some of the Muslim Sahaba uh, were drinking, and uh, the, the and uh, the hadith discussed like that. Uh, Anas bin Malik, radiallahu anhu, he was actually serving the Sahaba, and uh, when the ruling came, uh, some of the Sahaba had the the cup that was touching their lips. Some of them had some of the sip in their mouth and some of them already drank. So the one who had in their hands, they dropped their, uh, whatever they, they were carrying and, 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 and dropped the, the, the khamar. Khamar is uh, alcohol or intoxicant, not alcohol only, any kind of intoxicant. So uh, they, they dropped it. And the one who had in their mouth, they spit it out. The one who had, uh, uh, for example, some of them already have drank. Uh, so they stuck their finger in the throat so they can uh, throw up. And they had so much of the uh, intoxicant in the uh, in the houses that uh, they started uh, the breaking the the big barrels or drums, whatever they used to keep those uh, intoxicant khamar. Uh, they they start breaking it, and they uh, the, the, it was like a the khamar was flowing in the in the streets of the Medina. Uh, that, much, that much amount of drinking uh, the people were doing at that time. But uh, the moment the hukum came right away. They, they implemented and similar things you can see for other ones also inshallah whenever they come up uh, we'll try to uh, cover them as well now uh, after uh, uh, after the force of uh, fortress of our uh, Hassan al-Sa'ab uh, the, 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 the Jews they moved to fortress of Zubair uh, the third one in uh, uh, Nata uh, as I mentioned the, the the, the first five were divided into two categories. One was An-Nata uh, 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 and the second one was Ash-Shaq. And the An-Nata uh, had three, uh, tri- uh, three uh, uh, fortresses and Zubair was the third one. So all of them evacuated to Zubair now. Now, uh, Zubair uh, was a very inaccessible kind of a uh, fortress. Uh, and uh, Muslims, they, uh, they besieged that fortress for three days but it was not doing any good for the Muslims and they were just waiting there. But uh, one, of the, uh, one of the spies from the Jews told Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about the, uh, the, the, the way, what's called the subterrain for the water source that was going into the fortress, the, that if, if Rasulullah sallam cut that off, that would make them come out. And this is what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did and the Jews had to engage in fighting now. 
instead of just sitting inside the fortress and Muslims just waiting outside for them to come out, they, uh, they ended up engaging. And while, when they engaged in fighting, Muslims were able to, uh, to conquer that fortress as well. Now, <clears throat> shortly after this battle, the, the, the Jews, whoever could have moved, they moved to Abi, Hassan uh, Abi. Over there, again, they barricade themselves and uh, uh, and the Muslims were bes- uh, uh, besieged them, and the, uh, but again, two, three days passed, nothing was happening. Now, Abu Dujana, uh, uh, the same Sahabi Rasulullah uh, he gave him his, uh, his sword, and he used to put a red bandana around his forehead. He's the one who broke into the castle and uh, able, to, uh, able to conquer Abi also now. After Hassan Abi, these Jews moved to Nizar, the fortress of Nizar. Nizar was the most powerful fortress. This is the fifth one, the last one in this, uh, uh, the first five fortresses. And the Jews came to, um, now over here, they, they, uh, they, they defended themselves. They, they thought of it, that they are safe here. The women and the children, all of them were safe. And Muslims were not able to do anything even after doing the siege. For, uh, and uh, now what the Muslims did here was, was they attacked the fortress with Manjaniq. Manjaniq is a, uh, is, is a kind of a catapult. So you, uh, you can throw big, big rocks or big stones uh, uh, towards the walls. And that was able to crack the walls and the Muslims were able uh, to enter into the fortress and uh, conquer this fortress as well. Now, the second part of the Khaybar, which is the rest of the three fortresses. Rasulullah went along with the, uh, with the army over there. And this, this, uh, these three are called, also called Al-Katiba. And uh, these three, when they, uh, Muslims actually uh, seized the, 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 the fortresses for, uh, for 14 days. And uh, when Muslim, again, in this case also, Rasulullah was about to use the Manjaniq or the catapult when they were very sure that this is what's going to happen to them as well, and they were aware of that already what happened to Nizar uh, 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 fortress. So they came out and they want to do uh, a treaty with Rasulullah Now, they came out and they did uh, for, for negotiation, and uh, uh, Rasulullah actually uh, asked them that they will have to leave uh, the, the, the fortresses and uh, all, the, all sorts of uh, jewelry, gold and silver, in their possession, they have to leave there, and they will be allowed to leave safely uh, without uh, without being uh, hurt, as far as uh, any kind of uh, physical harm goes. And uh, they they agreed on that. And uh, <clears throat> while they agreed, they asked Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam about uh, the land to farm that they wanted to, do. and uh, they they would be allowed to just farm the, the uh, farm on those lands. Uh, and actually, uh, uh, the main uh, source of their income was of, by the farming of uh, of the Khaybar land. It was a very rich land, a fertile land for for, uh, for 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 farming. So Rasulullah allowed it, but with the uh, with, with the treaty that half of the produce will go to to the Muslims. And uh, by the way, and this is exactly what they were trying to make the treaty with Ghatafan as well already. That if they come and fight with them, they will give them the half of the produce. Now, in this case, when Muslims uh, uh, they, they took over, they agreed on giving them the half of the cultivation. Now, uh, in this, uh, uh, while all this was happening in 
uh, in Katiba fortresses, uh, two of the sons, uh, well, actually, uh, Kinana bin, uh, bin Rabi'ah, he was hiding uh, some of the jewelry, uh, which was from actually Banu Nadir. Banu Nadir is the one, the tribe that was kicked out, and Uhyay uh, bin Akhtab was from them who was killed uh, in Banu Quraida's fighting. But uh, here, the rest of the family was here, Safiya uh, bin Uhyay bin Akhtab, the daughter of Uhyay bin Akhtab was there, and she came as a prisoner of war, and later on, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made her, and the dowry was to fling her up. Now, <clears throat> here, uh, when, uh, uh, when Kinana bin Arabi, he was hiding uh, the, the jewelry in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a big sack, and when he was, uh, he was caught with that, in, in the punishment for that, the two of the sons of Abi al huqayq he was a leader uh, of, the, the, of the fortress that, uh, that who came out and did a negotiation with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the, his two sons were killed because of breaching the covenant. And uh, after that, uh, the distribution of the, the spoil of war uh, was done. It was done in a way that... Uh, uh, there were about 36 uh, shares were made and 18 were given to the people uh, who came and fight, uh, fought with the Rasulullah and 1400 people. And the other, other 18 were, uh, were kept in a way that was used for uh, keeping all the cultivation stuff is coming in into the, those forts. And if somebody coming from outside, they were also uh, entertained in a sense of they were... Uh, there was a place for them to stay and that kind of stuff was done for the uh, outsider envoys and ambassadors who were coming into Medina because as we will see that Rasulullah they started sending uh, ambassadors and the letters uh, to different uh, kings uh, outside of the Arabian Peninsula after Sulaif Hudaybiyah because Rasulullah was able to uh, not only uh, prevent the war from the Quraysh now the Jews were also taken care of and soon Ghatafan uh, will be taken care of as well. So, uh, anyways, um, so this is how it was uh, distributed, and the wealth was distributed among uh, uh, among the fourteen hundred men who came, and also there were people uh, were from uh, from the Habasha that included Jafar bin uh, Abi Talib and uh, Jafar Abi Talib and uh, Abu Musa Al Ashari. They came with about fifty muhajirin from Habasha to Medina. Now Rasulullah actually told them that they can come. Before that, he, they were not given permission by Rasulullah to come, so they, they stayed in Habasha, and now they came in the time of the Khaybar. When they came, uh, the, they were not able to participate, but Rasulullah included them in the uh, spoil of war as well. Okay. <clears throat> After that, uh, what time do I have? Okay. Uh, after the Khaybar, one of the Jewish women, her name was Zainab bint al-Harim. She offered Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, a sheep, roasted sheep, and she, uh, she poisoned it. And uh, Rasulullah sallallahu he took a mouthful, but he did not uh, like it, and he spit it, he spat it out. Uh, after the investigation, the woman confessed that she has stuffed the food with poison. And, uh, and she was saying that if the eater were just a king, she would then uh, rid of, uh, herself of him. But should he be a prophet, then he would be bound to learn about it. And Rasulullah found out. And however, 
Rasulullah overlooked her action that she tried to poison Rasulullah but when he found out that Bishr bin al-Bara radiallahu an, he was uh, he died because of the very same poison now because he was died uh, she was uh, she was executed because uh, because she killed uh, Bishr bin al-Bara uh, there are uh, differences of opinions regarding how many Muslims were killed uh, or she martyred? It was 16 to 18, but there were 93 Jews were killed in these in this battle. And after uh, the Khaybar, that really became uh, a source of for the Muslims to uh, to get a lot of wealth after Khaybar. It used to be a very difficult time for the Muslims, and uh, as one of the hadith from Aisha talks about that, after that they used to they were able to have stomach full with uh, with the dates uh, and uh, uh, and the muhajireen they were able to pay off the the uh, whatever they, they they took from the ansar when they migrated from Makkah to medina and they were able to pay off whatever they could have uh, done it uh, so the, uh, this the opening of the khaybar uh, resulted in uh, uh, a lot of financial benefits for the for the muslims in medina now after that uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh, he headed towards the Jews of the Taima, and uh, uh, they they already heard about the victories of the Muslims, and uh, they, they actually took the initiative and they just took uh, they, they signed a treaty with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, that they will give the jizya to Rasulullah. Before uh, the the Jews of Taima, Rasulullah sallallahu also went towards the Wadi al Qura, and. Uh, uh, this is also the another Jewish uh, colony uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the Arabian Peninsula. And Rasulullah mobilized the forces there and he divided uh, them into three segments uh, with four banners. Uh, and it was given to Sa'ad bin Ubada, Abba bin Mundir, Abad bin Bishr, and uh, Sahal bin Hanif. And uh, before fighting, they were given the choices, but they did uh, become Muslim or give the jizya or fight. And they chose to fight and the Muslims were able to uh, defeat them. It took them about two days and, and after that, the, the Jews surrendered. And uh, uh, I, again, there's a lot of spoil of wars were handed over to the Muslims here again. Now, uh, just to make sure to so understand this, after this Ghazwat uh, al-Khaybar, the, the Muslims were able to secure a place for themselves in Medina because the main source of uh, internal troubles that were happening was the Khaybar, and they were also be able to uh, able to stop the the war or the battles from from the Meccans. Now the Muslims had the real uh, 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 real way or real uh, chance to now propagate Islam to the rest of the world. And as we will see, the Rasulullah now started taking the dawah to the other parts of the world besides the Arabian Peninsula after the victory of the Khaybar. And inshallah, uh, we will uh, cover uh, the letters that were sent to the different kings uh, by Rasulullah next week. And uh, if there is any uh, questions or comments, inshallah, I will try to answer now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.